Please be saved. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I would, uh, on your phone or in paper, I would like you to turn to Isaiah chapter 11 and we will be reading through verses 1 to 10. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 to 10. We'll be continuing our theme, uh, this this Christmas theme, Christmas Encounters theme a little, uh, by looking at uh, the Old Testament uh, prophecies, and this is one of them, uh, about Jesus coming uh, uh, for us. So let's read verses 1 to 10, chapter 11 of Isaiah. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. But he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a scepter from his mouth and he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Righteousness will be a belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. The wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion, the fattened calf will be together and a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young ones will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like cattle. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain for the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. On that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will look to him for guidance and his resting place will be glorious. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for what it teaches us. We we thank you for the way in which it points to your son Jesus who we come and uh, seek a word from this morning. Lord, be with us, we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder if, if you were a ruler of a country, a leader of a country, how would you rule? What would be the way in which you ruled? There is a game on the computer called, on the computer called Democracy. And in this game, you are the leader of a nation. And you are able to rule the people. And you can change your policies, any sort of policy that you like, whether or not you're going to put put lots of tax on the people or no tax at all. You can can decide whether or not to have a strong military or not. You can decide whether all these different policies on immigration to health to education. You can rule for however long it takes you to play this computer game. You can rule any way you like and see whether or not the people will vote for you when your term ends. But I wonder 
if you were the leader, how would you rule? How would you rule? In this game, essentially you become the leader of a country and you can decide whether to rule with an iron fist or rule and let freedom run wild. But how, how do you think you would play that game? But it's not a game, is it? Because it sort of happens in our world, doesn't it? People choose to rule with an iron fist or let freedom run wild. How would you rule? This month we have turned our focus to uh, the Christmas story, obviously, as we do most Decembers. And uh, we have traced uh, a few of the characters of the Nativity. And and Wally and I have have spoken on a, a few of those characters. But the memories of Christmas are still here. I know Christmas was a few days ago. But the trees are still up, I trust, in your house. The decorations are still there. The, the presents are probably still fresh for you, uh, unless you've eaten them and consumed them already. Uh, but also, Jesus is still relevant, isn't he? So, I mean, that's probably the main thing. That even though we have, have spent a lot of time talking about Jesus, we continue to do that week by week. And here we are again. So, I thought this morning we'd look, uh, from the angle of the Old Testament, at the person of Jesus, this person who is known as the Messiah King who is to come. And here through Isaiah, Isaiah foretells us or shows us the beginnings of this Jesus, the beginnings of this King. He tells us the character and the rule of this King and he also shows us the result of that rule. So let's, let's go through and have a look at this and Back into verse 1 it says, Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Here we see the beginning of the king, the beginning of this Messiah king, Jesus. Now there are many stories, aren't there, worldwide, of leaders who have come from humble beginnings, lowly and humble beginnings, leaders in any field, uh, often we hear these stories, if they're uh, popular enough probably to have a Wikipedia page or, or uh, have a biography or memoir written of them. I'm sure you've heard some of them. But Mayawati from India is one of these people. And Mayawati is, or was the Chief Minister of the Indian province of Uttar Pradesh and she was for many years and was once hailed by the Prime Minister of India as the miracle of democracy. You see, Mayawati was the leader of a party that represents the Dalit people. The Dalit people being one of the lowest uh, stratas or lowest caste, lowest people, uh, weakest people in, in Indian society. And at 39, she was the youngest chief minister of her province, the first female and Dalit, first Dalit chief minister. And so she has been seen by many as an inspiration to them, an inspirational figure, a true rise from humble beginnings, a true rise from some lowly humble beginnings to a leader of people. Excuse me. On verse 1 we are told, we are told of the lineage of this Messiah, this King Jesus, a lineage that starts from humble beginnings. We just read it moments ago. 
And uh, in context, in, in the end of chapter 10, God, uh, we, we see the, the imagery used of God uh, cutting down a whole lot of trees, cutting down branches of trees and felling whole forests, uh, depicting the judgment that he has on the Assyrian people who are currently overruling God's people, Israel, around 600 to 800 BC. But this, in this stump of Jesse, out of this, this felled tree, from this stump will come a branch and out of this branch will come the Messiah, the King Jesus. Lowly beginnings. This, this stump of Jesse represents the line of King David. King David being uh, the, the most, uh, maybe not the most popular, but certainly the most significant king of God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament. And so out of this stump, God's people will once again come and once again uh, one will be raised up as the Messiah King and God's people will again grow and flourish as they should. If you remember from the life of King David, he started from lowly and humble beginnings. He was a shepherd. His father was named Jesse, hence the stump of Jesse. And he rose to prominence to become Israel's king. Well, so too we see of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, a a town, an irrelevant town, no-name village in the countryside of Israel, born to a Virgin Mary in this lowly village, of slowly stable of Bethlehem. From humble beginnings, we see that Jesus rises and will henceforth bring forth fruit for God and his people. When I visited, uh, uh, sorry, a few months back, excuse me, my, uh, my parents chopped back their lemon tree. It was well diseased and uh, they, dropped, they chopped it back to its, its bare essentials, basically cutting off 95% of what was there. And uh, when I saw them do this, I wondered whether or not there would be any, uh, any fruit, lemon, lemon, lemons coming to our house again or not. Like, it, it, there was nothing to look at. You'd never think it would come back again. But then I noticed on Christmas Day, as we were around at their place, there were these little shoots and they were begun to grow branches once again. And these little buds over time will again produce fruit. Wow. From what God has done in in his judgment upon Assyria, in felling these trees, comes one who will rise and become the Messiah King. This Jesus, the Messiah King, who from humble beginnings will come and will live and will die and bear fruit for God and his people, as we read of in the New Testament. And this got me thinking or reminded me of 1 Peter, verse 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares about you. The God we worship is not one who praises and seeks that which the world thinks is successful or glorious. It's not about job titles, not about wealth, not about house prices, 
No, God seeks those who are humble and contrite in heart, as the psalmist reminds us. It's about what's going on inside of us, our heart attitude to what God, to God and his ways. Just as Jesus has come from humble beginnings, where he started, where King David started, from humble beginnings, where the people of God essentially started, from humble beginnings will come fruit. We worship a God ourselves who perhaps we come from humble beginnings, perhaps we don't think of ourselves as coming from humble beginnings, but we worship a God who cares for, for us and cares for those who need him and seek him. Jesus said himself, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but call sinners. I'm not sure whether you think you've come from humble beginnings or how you sit with God this morning, post this Christmas celebration. It is a good chance to remind ourselves that that we are still in need of God. We are still in need of Jesus, this, this Messiah King, who also has come from these, these humble beginnings. And no matter our situation, no matter where we are now, no matter our beginnings, no matter how we think of ourselves, God still seeks us and responds to us seeking him. Well, this is the beginning of this Messiah King Jesus from these humble beginnings. But we are also told of his character and his rule, the rule and the character of this king. A few years ago, I remember Jen and I, uh, we had to apply for our rental properties to, to, you know, gain some sort of roof over our heads. And uh, in in the course of going to the open inspections and seeing these various rental properties, well, we also got given the application form, didn't we? And then we had to fill out that application form. And on that application form, there is the, the question or the statement that they require some professional or personal character references. Well, of course, we would only ask friends that would give us good character references, wouldn't we? So, obviously, we, tried, we did that as much as, as possible. Uh, but here in verse 2 to, through to verse 5, we read of the character reference of this Messiah King, Jesus. The character reference of by God himself for his son. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge, By what he sees with his eyes, he will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears, but he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a scepter from his mouth and he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Righteousness will be a belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist." The character of this Messiah King, this Jesus, will have wisdom, will be one of wisdom and understanding, counsel and power, knowledge and fear of the Lord. 
as the Spirit of God is upon him, he will be able to make good and wise decisions. He will take care of those who require justice and righteousness to be done upon them. And unlike the leaders of our day, he will rule, he will lead and he will judge perfectly. Perfectly. Someone of impeccable character, this Jesus. Character worth following, character worth imitating even. Character that also informs the way in which he will rule. He will rule and be faithful and do everything that he promises. How often does that occur in our, say, political system? I mean, do you know of a politician that makes the right and correct decisions 100% of the time? No. (laughs) Uh, And who knows of a world leader that uh, is faithful and truthful to every promise that they make? It is rare indeed. Those of us who are... uh, who have been around a little while, those of us who have only just started voting, all realise that that when we think of world leaders, we don't think in terms of faithfulness and truthfulness, do we? But here we are told this Messiah King Jesus will rule with faithfulness and justice. He would be on the cover of Time magazine as the most influential person of the year, year after year after year because his rule would be perfect. His rule in justice and righteousness and faithfulness will always be true. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that himself. He knew who he was and he is aware, no matter how radically hard it is for us to believe, but Jesus was also aware that he would rule in this way and he says in Luke 4, 16 to 20, it's, Jesus talks about this. He says, uh, As usual, Jesus entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Unrolling the scroll, he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release of the captives and recovery to the sight of the blind, to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he said to them, Today as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that he was the one that God had sent as a baby to come and rule the world as the Messiah King in all justice, righteousness and faithfulness. The perfect relationship between God and his son Jesus enables the service of this King to be perfect and true and right. For us, knowing that we too now have access to God through his spirit, how does that inform our character? How does that inform the way we go about living and ruling over the things that we 
rule over ourselves. Here is Jesus of perfect character and of perfect rule. We seek to imitate him and seek to follow him. But we too are also have, have the spirit inside of us. And so how do we let the spirit inform us, our character and the things that we rule over? How are we shaped by the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit in Jesus is his perfect rule and reign. And for us, perhaps it is a good reminder of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The law is not against such things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. As Jesus is driven by the Spirit of the Lord in his character and his rule, may we too, as we enter into 2020, be driven by the Spirit of God in our own lives, in our character and perhaps in our rule as well. And of course, there's these beginnings, there's this character and this rule, but the result of who Jesus is is then told of us in, in verses 6 through to 10. Decisions that are made on a world scale uh, often are not realised for many years yet, are they? The effects of World War I, the effects of World War II, the effects of the A-bomb, the, the economies going up and down, these sorts of things are often not immediately seen but are seen uh, years and years later. Well, we may not see, it may not feel at times like, like uh, God's perfect character and rule is playing out in a perfect and righteous and faithful and just way right now. But God has promised us that this Messiah King Jesus comes and, and with dramatic effect, has a dramatic effect on our world. And we read this. He says, uh, he uses this imagery that is really quite stunning in these verses. The wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion and the fattened calf will be together and a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young ones will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like cattle. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain for the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. On that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will look to him for guidance and his resting place will be glorious. In our day of, of outrage, of tribalism, this kind of imagery does our head in, doesn't it? This, this can't, how can this be true? Is the Lord really saying that like the conservative and the liberal will get on 
with one another? Is the Lord really saying that the wealthy will have a relationship with the poor? That the vegan will have dinner with the meat eater? that the anti-vaxxer and the vaxxer will actually get on. Is God saying, is, is he saying this? It seems to me that this is the kind of difference the Lord is talking about. It's a radical, uh, unbelievable kind of reconciliation. There's a sense of peace, of relationship, of restoration, of reconciliation. Gives us a picture of the Garden of Eden. Remember when God created the world and He made everything good? Everything within it was good. So, too, under the Messiah King Jesus, everything will be good. His rule will again make all things good. All things will be reconciled once more. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verses 16 to 19 reminds us of this truth when he writes these words. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. When we place our faith in this King Jesus, when we place our faith in in this King Jesus who dies for us on a cross, when we understand that we have received the spirit and trust in this King Jesus, then the nature of our hearts change. The nature of who we are changes. We are reconciled to God and we begin to walk a lifetime seeking to live in his ways, a lifetime of transformation and reconciliation in God. Despite our brokenness and our failure, our own, uh, the, the brokenness of our own hearts, the way in which we distort our relationship with God and, and our attitudes towards others and our understanding of, of the world, there is a time when everything will be made good. Everything will be made whole again. Everything will be made very good. So this image of this lion and this lamb laying down together, this leopard and this goat, this calf and this lion, these these cows and these bears and this infant with a snake points to this Messiah King Jesus who has come to reconcile us with God and to reconcile us with one another. And that reconciliation, this change, this renewal, this redemption, this this reconciliation comes because of God sending a little baby 2,000 years ago through a 14-year-old girl 
bearing him in a stable, in a humble, no-name village. And that is what we celebrate at Christmas. This baby who brings reconciliation for the world. Often we can become despondent though, can't we? We can lose our joy perhaps or lose our hope or lose our peace. Even, even when we continue to seek being imitators of Christ and following him as fervently as we can, we sometimes perhaps lose, some, lose light of that. But what we do remember each Christmas, and it's a good reminder each year, isn't it, that God has come to be with us and to reconcile this world, to reconcile us with him. The one who has come from humble beginnings, the one whose character and rule is perfect, the one who is guided by the spirit of the Lord, and the one who results in bringing reconciliation to the world. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus and we celebrate him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth that is in your word, that you foreshadowed the sending of your son to complete to fulfil your purposes in reconciling the world to you. Lord, we thank you that over the last few weeks we have been able to celebrate uh, this sending of your son, this baby born. And Lord, again this morning, we thank you once again that uh, that we know that, that through him... Uh, restoration with you and restoration with one another uh, can come about uh, because you are seeking us to, to come to you with humble hearts, uh, to lift our cares and worries and concerns to you and most of all Lord that you have, have come to forgive us of our broken hearts our brokenness and, and selfishness. And Lord, we, we look to you this morning for that forgiveness and reconciliation. Lord, we thank you for who you are and for, for what you've done. And may we, uh, may we sing your praises because of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you.